find your niche. And so it's where can you add value and differentiate yourself versus those around you? The oil and gas industry, the driving engine of the world economy, delivering prosperity, innovation and abundance across the globe. Here are the stories of its key players, directly from the leaders themselves. This is Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, where real experiences are passed on from the leaders of today to the leaders of tomorrow. Here is your host, Paige Wilson. Welcome back to another episode of Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, sponsored by AWS Energy. Before getting into it, if you want to support the show, leave me a review. I'll read it on the air. However, let's get on with our guests. I'm sitting here this afternoon with Brandon Spencer of ABB. How's it going, Brandon? Hey, very good. Thanks for the opportunity to join you today and have a conversation. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about how you got started in the oil and gas industry. Yeah, so I started out, I came out of college. I'm not an engineer. Started out with an economics degree and got into a company called Siemens, which I'm sure is familiar to many listening. And started Uh there and kind of just found a niche in being able to jump into the sales side of things and understand enough from the engineering standpoint to communicate effectively with our customers internally and externally, and have just kind of been exploring that niche ever since. And so that led me into ABB about six years later. And I've been at ABB for the last almost 14 years. And so when I moved Siemens, I was in power generation, mainly utility focus. And Uh when I joined ABB, I started in oil and gas. And so the last 14 years have pretty much been different roles from individual contributor roles to management roles in dealing with oil, gas, chemicals, and those kind of industries. Gotcha. Gotcha. What are some of the challenges you've had to go through? I mean, you've been with ABB for quite some time and taken on so many different roles. Kind of walk us through that. Yeah. So I started out in individual contributor roles, so sales roles, selling just kind of parts of ABB's portfolio. Uh, Mm -hmm. and different offerings, and then stepped into larger sales roles. And at one point was what we call a global account manager. And so that's when you're responsible for a certain account worldwide across everything ABB does. And so then you get into a huge portfolio of all the different offerings, solutions, services, products that we have, and trying to tailor that towards the individual customer. And then the customer themselves have huge portfolios because they could be an integrated company that have upstream, downstream, you know, the different aspects of their businesses. Right. So probably first challenge was being able to articulate what my own company does, Mm -hmm. understand everything that we do, how it all fits together and, and adds value to a customer, then being able to understand the customer side of the equation, and then kind of walk that fence line between the customer and our company to be an advocate for both sides. And so I think that's kind of the first challenges that I went into. And then after that, I probably foolishly made the jump from individual contributor roles to management. <laughs> and, uh, and so then from then, it's been more about the people leadership aspects. And so going from never managing anyone directly to leading the US business, which was an organization of about 250 people. Oh, my. So, yeah, that's quite the jump. Was a big jump getting experience doing that. And then, you know, went to an organization that was about 500 people. And now the organization that I have the privilege of serving is about 8,500 people in 45 countries. Oh, wow. So scope and scale obviously has changed with each role. 
and there's challenges that come along with that. Yeah. So how's everything going for you right now while we're in the middle of this pandemic? Yeah, look, it's the, I call it to our team, the perfect storm. You had kind of the oil war starting, which was already creating some potential challenges. Then you have COVID comes in, which restricts movement of people, resources, everything else. Right. Uh, followed by demand shock, which is caused by some of that and the oil wars escalating. And so mm-hmm. it really creates the perfect storm that's that's never really been seen before in our industries. And so it's affecting my power gen business. It affects renewables. It affects oil and gas upstream. It affects the chemical side downstream, our refining element. So, you know, you kind of get the perfect storm And first thing I tell our team is we need to focus on what we can control. So there's a lot of moving elements and a lot of them we have no control over. I don't control the price of oil or or the demand that exists in China and these sort of things. And so let's focus on what we can control. And so I bring it back to our people, our employees. Those are our most important asset. I bring it back to our customers that our job still remains to serve our customers. And then that we have an expectation to still deliver results. And so you have to make some decisions. Some of them are no regret decisions and others of them are more challenging decisions, but we make some decisions to make sure that we keep sustainability of our business front and center. And so we're holding up pretty well, actually, I'd say, making some short-term adjustments to kind of ride through the downturn. Mm -hmm. We have lots of discussion about, is it a U-shape recovery? Is it a V-shape or an L-shape? Right. And it kind of depends which aspect of my business we talk about. I have all of them, I think. And, yeah. uh, and so it's really just focusing on what's in front of us right now, what we can control and keeping our heads up to look around and be cautiously optimistic that, you know, we're resilient. I mean, people are resilient and the economy will come back and we need to be here serving our customers when it does. Great. Great. Yeah. So you're talking about different aspects of your company. You want to kind of go through a little bit of what all of that entails as within your current role? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, as I said, we're, we're 8,500 strong in my business line around the world. And so it's in 45 countries roughly. And we mm-hmm. kind of divide the business into different segments. So whether it's power and water or oil and gas or chemical and refining and, and different verticals that we cover. And then we have different geographies. So we've divided the world into five regions, and that's Mm -hmm. how we operate the business to try and stay closest to our customers. And then, of course, within those geographies or those market verticals, we have different products and solutions and services that we offer, digital offerings, all these sort of things that are wrapped into that. But it's really about providing a value to the end customer. And whether that's a an end user like an ExxonMobil or BSF or someone like that, or whether it's an EPC, mm-hmm. you know, a Floor, a Bechtel, a Jacobs, whoever it may be, or an OEM, someone that's delivering a bigger solution and we can play a role there. So we've got lots of different channels to market. So, you know, as you can imagine, there's a lot of moving pieces that sometimes are working together. Sometimes they're opposing forces. And, uh-huh. uh, and so just trying to keep that balanced and stay on plan is a lot of the time that we spend doing. Right, right. And for the people that don't know who ABB is sure. and, and what y'all do do, could you go into a little detail about that? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, at ABB, we kind of look at ourselves as a power and automation company. And so mm-hmm. if it's electrifying industry or utility or transportation, if it's automating industry, energy or utility or transportation, these are the things that we have and that we do. So we're about moving energy and information 
within our customers' fences and beyond. And so it's a fantastic business. We've got a lot of businesses that are product businesses. So they do motors and drives and instrumentation, pressure, temperature, flow, all these kind of things. We've got some Mm -hmm. system businesses, which is what I run. So we kind of integrate the ABB offerings as well as third-party solutions to really try and solve challenges for our customers and help them do everything in as safe and sustainable a manner as possible, which I think is certainly an important theme for our customers these days. Right. Yeah, exactly. So going back to, you have a degree in economics, Yeah. then you encountered sales and then you became what I would deem a translator in the engineering space. And so of all this and all these different things you've done, if you had one piece of advice to give our audience, what would it be? Ah, that's a great question. I mean, look, I've had the privilege to work for some great people. And so there's probably a couple of pieces of advice, but one is find your niche. And so it's where can you add value and differentiate yourself versus those around you? And so mm-hmm. I think that's always been important for me that, you know, when I was in the sales team at my prior company, there was say 200 people in the sales team. I think there was three or four of us that weren't engineers. And now in the leadership team that I sit in, I, you know, especially out of the the business leadership side, maybe a little different out of the functional side, like marketing communications or finance or different things. But on the business side, you know, there's probably majority are engineers. And so I was able to just find a passion of connecting the people, connecting to the people side of it and communicate effectively. And I've just been continuing to feed that passion. So it just created a niche that led me to build on top of it. I went back to school for an executive MBA and, mm-hmm. uh, and did that. So I got that. I would certainly recommend that to people. I've had plenty of young talents in our organization ask about, should I get my MBA or should I get advanced degree in this or that? And my response is, why wouldn't you do it? Um, yeah. you know, it's, it's never going to hurt you. It's never going to be a detractor. And right. so that was a big thing for me was to go accomplish that. And then that helped give some even wider perspective which has ultimately helped as I moved into the general management roles. But I think really finding that niche where you can differentiate yourself from others. And it's not that you can't be successful in any role. I think anyone can do anything if they pour enough sweat, blood, and tears into it. But some paths come naturally easier. And I think if you can feed those paths a little bit of oxygen, then they grow faster than if you're having to just pour yourself into something in order to try and fit in a box that maybe you're not best suited for. Yeah, no, that makes sense because it almost feels like, you know, you've been given a gift. So utilize it. Yeah, you know, I think we're all made a certain way and you can certainly rewire yourself, but it's a lot easier to just go with who you are. And if you can find an application or an area to work in, that allows you to be your best self. I mean, it sounds a little cliche to say, but if you can find that, then, you know, I think that part at least isn't the hard part. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. So what book influenced you the most and why? So I'm a big into sports. I love competition. And so, you know, I've read different things of, about athletes or things like that. I like Navy SEALs. So a book like Lone Survivor and these sort of things where it's just really someone that's doing extraordinary things in their profession or in their field. You know, I just watched The Last Dance, which was kind of the Michael Jordan documentary that was on. Oh, how was that? That was fantastic. It was for anyone who's, anyone who likes athletics or anyone who's driven by competition or just witnessing greatness in a field. I mean, 
I sat with my family and watched it. I've got two kids, one's 10 and one's 12. And, you know, it was obviously well before their time, but I get a lot of motivation from things in that arena. And so those are kind of the things that I've used to fuel. I think coaching, for example, I played sports all my life and had the pleasure to What'd be a play? captain. So uh, basketball and, and volleyball and ball. soccer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was fortunate. I grew up in Virginia and the high schools there are a little smaller. I live in Houston now. And, you know, the high schools here are 5,000 kids. And so if you're going to be on the varsity basketball team, you, you probably have to be a very good basketball player. Uh, I was fortunate that I went to a 3A school, so I might have looked like a great (laughs) athlete, but maybe at the end of the day, I wasn't as great as I thought I was. Um, But it was still fortunate to interact with a team, to be seen as a leader, to hear what's going on, to solve problems. I mean, all those things relate to how you perform in a corporate environment. And so those are kind of the things that have influenced me more than one specific book or anything. I mean, you can read all of the five dysfunctions of a team and and all these different things and, and certainly get snippets from everything. But I think it's about the general nature of coaching and sports. I love to coach my kids sports. I don't know if they love it or not, but I certainly, uh, I, I certainly love it. So I love to do that. And I think all those helps me build the DNA to try and be the best servant leader that I can be for my organization. Excellent answer. What's your most used business tool? Oh, what do you mean exactly by that? Well, some people say their phone. Some I've heard people say themselves. People say communication. What really is something you use maybe on a daily, weekly basis that you kind of can't live without, I guess? Yeah, I mean, certainly I would say right now, WhatsApp may be more influential than anything in my world to just be able to quickly communicate. I have different threads that I have with certain parts of my organization, might be one of Mm -hmm. my product groups, might be the whole leadership team to just blast out some things here and there, celebrate some successes, could be as something as corny as a happy birthday to someone that's on the team, but just to create that sense of community and be able to really quickly get data out. I mean, I think, you know, everybody digests their news 100 and what is it, 140 characters at a time now. Uh, yeah. because of Twitter and, and other things. And I'm not a big social media guy. But, yeah, I'm not but a huge I, fan either. Yeah, so. I just, I've never, I don't have Facebook. I don't have, you know, I'm not on Twitter and these sort of things. But there is a place for that. And there is an importance to it. It's just not a strength of mine. Right. And so WhatsApp is a great way for, you know, in my role, communication. And the analogy I give here is that when a plane's flying from, say, Houston to Los Angeles and it's on autopilot, you know, it adjusts hundreds or thousands of times in terms of speed and flaps and rudders and altitude and all these sort of things. And that's kind of my job with my team is to help try and be that autopilot and kind of bump and nudge and and encourage and hold accountable and these sort of things in different ways. And communication is a really important aspect of that. And so WhatsApp, I think, has worked well for me to be able to always be accessible because email just piles up. You know, you, oh, you get, man, you let get, me tell you, you get copied <laughs> on a thousand emails and things you don't even need to see. Um, right. And so email, I find, is a terrible habit. You know, I think a lot of people think that if their inbox is clean at the end of the day, then they've had a successful day. I would argue that you just got caught in the whirlwind and, and got distracted by whatever today's emergency was versus yeah. working on whatever may be strategic. So I would say WhatsApp is an important one, which maybe is not a normal answer, but I think it's an important one for me to be able to communicate with people. 
Well, it's not so much about it being normal. It's about how it is for you. Yeah. And, and that's all that matters. Kind of goes back to what you were talking about is finding your niche. Yeah. So Yeah. And yeah. so that works well for me. And then only other thing we're trying to do is I, there's kind of three things that I think are important as we drive our business forward and been kind of my leadership model, I'd say a little bit. And that's simplicity, empowerment, and accountability. And so then I try and use tools or dashboards from a salesforce.com or some of the different tools that we have in order to drive simplicity, empowerment, and accountability. And so there's kind of a little playbook that I have, I guess, that I look through on a regular basis. And that's how I gauge, are we going in the right direction or wrong direction? Yeah. Who is your most respected competitor? Now, you don't have to say a name or anything. You could describe them. Yeah, that's okay. I mean, I'm okay saying a name. I mean, I think we should own own where we are. I mean, look, ABB is a market leader in many areas. And in some areas, we have a niche play where we're number one or two in the market. In other Mm -hmm. areas, like conventional power, for example, on automation, we're a global leader. So some places we have a very strong position in the market. Other places we're either just starting up or just penetrating. So I think you can look at the big peer groups like a Siemens and Schneider and these kind of guys. Uh, mm-hmm. that are big international OEMs that play in the automation electric, electrical space. You can look in certain parts of our portfolio and look at an Emerson and the Honeywell and Yokogawa and these kind of guys that are more automation instrumentation companies. And so we're kind of one of the ones, one of the few that has the breadth of portfolio that we have. Uh, mm-hmm. Some are really strong in, in specific areas or disciplines. But I think from a breadth of portfolio, we certainly we like to think we separate ourselves from the pack a little bit from some of the companies that I named. But you know, I have a lot of respect from our competition. I mean, I'm a big believer in competition. I think it makes you better. I think it holds you accountable. I've got fantastic friends that I vacation with from some of these competitors because you it's a bit incestuous at times yeah. um, that we all know each other and recruit from one another and people go back and forth between companies and these kind of things. And that's all part of the fun of being in the energy business, I think, is that yeah, we're, we're, we're a big family. It's a big family. I mean, you're in Singapore sitting at Marriott on Orchard Street and you see three other people from Texas sitting there. Uh, <laughs> or you're at an airport in Frankfurt getting on a Lufthansa plane and there's a bunch of people that you know, either from a competitor or customer or whatever in the line. And, and I think that's really cool that it's a family like that in the energy space. I agree. I agree. I see people everywhere we go. So Yeah. And it's so international. I mean, I think I love living in Houston for my kids' sake. I I was raised in Virginia, kind of a smaller part of Virginia. And here in Houston, you know, my kids' school, the diversity that's at my kids' school is unparalleled, probably maybe to anywhere in the world. Oh yeah. In terms of the amount of Asian population, Indian population, Middle Eastern, South American whatever it is. And for my kids, I've told them, you know, you have no idea how much of an advantage this is for you because you guys are going to go into the workforce and this is what the workforce looks like. And, yeah. uh, and it'll be a strength because you'll know how to respect the different cultures and what works in some ways and not in others. And you'll know all that from coming up through grade school and what an advantage that'll be for our children. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I didn't have that and I went to high school in Fort Worth and it was it was fairly diverse, but not not nearly as much as Houston is. No, uh, and so I I really enjoy that aspect of living here, and and it certainly has helped me in my business performance with ABB to be able to. 
go into you know India and understand some of the cultural norms and respect and appreciate them, but also still be able to navigate conversations that you may have in Asia where you have to come at it from a different angle. Um, right. And so all that folds into the communication thing I talked about, and and it's been a big assist to have it at home. Oh yeah, absolutely. What would you say is your most important lesson learned? Uh, I think one is humility. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. you're going to, you're going to fail a lot and just own it, you know? And, and I think again, sports teaches you that, you know, when you lose a game or when you made a mistake or when you blew something, an assignment that you were supposed to have or different things, you know, you have to own that. And so I think humility is really important to realize that in my business, you know, I'm one guy out of the 8,500. It's right. a team sport. And so I can't do anything on my own except say no. And that's generally not that helpful to uh, <laughs> advance towards a goal. Um, right. And so being humble and getting input and things, appreciating others' views and all those sort of things, not thinking you have the answers all the time, I, I think is certainly one of them. And I think the second one that I would mention, I know you asked for one, but the, the second one I would mention is being genuine. Especially like in big organizations, I think people can worry about politics and and you know, kind of using other people in order to advance their own personal career or different things. And for me, most of all of my success is attributable to other people. And so investing in those relationships has been really important for me, just from a personal reward system, but also or personal fulfillment system, I guess, but also mm-hmm. from a career standpoint investing in other people and being genuine about it, I think is really important. And so those are the two things that that I think go a long way and people see and feel immediately. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree. You know, that's one of the things I love about my organization is we're genuine. We have to be genuine on these mics. Yeah. Um, because why listen otherwise, you know? You got, I mean, people, you know, like we got to talk a little bit before we came on the air and, and yeah. you know, there's a calming demeanor to how you engage. And I think that's important so that we can have a conversation that, that hopefully at least one or two people are interested in listening to. <laughs> Thank you. I hopefully for you guys' compliment. sake. doesn't matter for me, I guess, but for you guys' sake. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely for our sake. So why do you think your role, your current role, is important to the future of the oil and gas industry? Well, I think the oil and gas industry is under tremendous pressure. You know, it's it's interesting what's happened. And it's not just the the economics of oil or natural gas or any of that, but there's also all the social pressures uh, Mm -hmm. and the, the green effort, lowering carbon footprints, all these kind of things. I mean, big announcements with BP last week where they are going to lay off, you know, 50% of their executive team as they kind of pivot their business model towards, you know, alternate energy sources and these sort of things. So they're under lots of pressure. And I think ABB has the real potential to offer valuable solutions to them as they evolve their business model. And so, you know, I tell my kids, because my kids come home from school and they're talking about everything's going to be solar powered and everything's going to be from a wind turbine. And my response is, okay, no, it's not. So, you know, not sure why they told you that at school today, but that's not the case, that things will continue to transition towards a lower carbon footprint. There's no doubt. Right. But, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm 41. And so for my working career, carbon-based fuels will be the biggest energy source in the world. And yeah, well, I mean, ABB, yeah you, you still need those hydrocarbons to make all of those things. Exactly. Exactly. And so ABB has a great opportunity 
to help do things in a safe, sustainable, and efficient manner as possible. And so if we can help the customers on their journey, extending life cycles of things before they obsolete them, migrating them to new technology, which consumes less energy, doing things where you take people off of rigs and you control it from onshore, and then you're helping safety, you're helping the communities that you're in. So there's a lot Mm -hmm. of offerings that we have, whether it's digital offerings or service offerings or technical solutions that I think can be relevant. And my job is to help steer ABB in a way that we increase our relevance and intimacy with the customers as they go through this transition. So that's kind of the, you know, that's the utopian view or the the exciting aspect of my job is to try and leave a legacy here that says we were part of this transformation. It's pretty exciting though. Isn't yeah, it? it's fantastic. I mean, it's a, it's a humongous <laughs> challenge, right? It's right. a little bit of world hunger. Um, but <laughs> yeah. you know, you start by feeding one mouth at a time and, uh, right. and, and you just kind of have to do it in a systemic way. So for me, it's an enormous challenge for our organization, but I'm confident that our organization will rise to that challenge. Excellent. So what's your favorite podcast? Oh, I, know it's, I bet you it's a sports podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's this one. That's an easy, that's, what? A, that's an easy answer. How could it be anything <laughs> besides this one? <laughs> Oh, come on. I know it's sports. <laughs> no, I, mean, I, love, I love sports podcasts. So, but I don't think I wouldn't say that I have one favorite, actually. I couldn't pinpoint that's a tough question for me to answer. So I couldn't pinpoint that it's one specific podcast. I get links from friends all the time that, you know, a certain guest was on one. Uh, and uh-huh. then I go in and listen and hear what they were talking about. And it's more the passion around people that are participating in it than one specific mm-hmm. channel that I'm dialed into. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Thank you for joining me again. Brandon, if people want to reach out to you and get to know more about ABB. Yeah, I mean, I think certainly, you know, ABB, obviously they can find through our website, abb.com to learn more about what the three, three red letters, that's what I like to say, what the three red letters stand for and what we're about and if there's opportunity to join us or be a part of it. So, you know, I certainly bleed red, not just because that's the color of it, but for red for the company, for sure. So I'm a, I'm a huge supporter. I think ABB is a great place for talent and they'll develop you and, and give you an opportunity to achieve if you deliver results. And so I think that's all we can ask for. So I think that's the first thing. I'm certainly on LinkedIn. So, you know, my profile's out there on LinkedIn and I'm active on that in terms of promoting some stories, but also engaging as people reach out direct. So I I try and be responsive there. And so those are probably the best ways to get me. Okay, perfect. And I'll make sure to put links in the show notes. All right. So that concludes this episode. So just remember, yeah. So just remember, it's up to you to open the next door. Now here's events on deck. Hey everybody, Alex here with the events on deck. So due to current circumstances, of course, we are not able to have any in-person events. So I have nothing of that nature to update you guys on, but we have been hosting some virtual events. So OGGN is wanting to offer free webinars, live happy hours, etc. during this time. Since these events are not scheduled out as far in advance as in-person events, we would like to keep you guys updated via Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. So be sure to keep checking up on that and we'll keep you guys posted on anything we're offering. It has been free. We want to offer you guys value during this time that we're all at home. So please continue checking in and joining us for these virtual events. We are looking forward to seeing you guys whenever we're able to have in-person events and hope you're staying safe and sound.
Tune in next week for another intriguing episode of Oil & Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasindustryleaders.com.